The Pacecast from Pace Communications, hosted by Anita Pace and very special guests. I have this thing that I tell all my team, and it's that I hate the word manager. I can't stand it, and my, I suppose, response to that is, if I'm having to manage, I've recruited the wrong person. To me, my role is there to mentor, um, to guide them through, to provide the tools that they need to do their job. Seeing an opportunity to come up at Beale, which I know is like gold dust, I just had to apply and I applied. I applied again. I kept sending emails. I was pestering the HR person and it paid off. But my work ethic hasn't changed. And in the space of time that I've been in real estate, I've gone from a sales exec to a trainee sales manager, to a sales manager, to a sales operations manager. So hopefully it shows that I'm still willing to develop. You know, I'm not happy just to do a role and stick with it. I'm constantly looking to improve. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our February episode of our Pacecast. I'm Anita Pace, and it's great to have you with us. This is the second episode of the year, and we're continuing the season with a spotlight on one of our partners, the people who we work with every day. This month, I'm delighted to be chatting to Jamie Barrington, the sales operations manager from successful house builder Beale Homes. Pace has been working with Beale for three years, helping to build the Beale brand, and it's one of our busiest accounts. There's always lots going on at Beale, and Jamie and his team keep us really busy in the office, which is great. So without further ado, hello, Jamie. Good to see you. Hello. Thank you for having me. No problem at all. Thanks for doing this. So let's get straight into it. Listeners may remember from last month that we're asking guests to bring in an item that's personal and meaningful to them. Something that's going to tell us a bit about them and maybe something that we don't know. So I've got no idea what Jamie's brought in today, but I'm going to ask him to tell me what it is and talk about why it's important to him. So I brought in uh, Richard Branson's autobiography, Losing My Virginity. Um, it's not about what the title says, um, <laughs> but it's, um, it was the first kind of business book that I read that, um, I suppose gave me a little bit of a business mind, um, and a more entrepreneurial mindset. Um, from a very young age, um, I've always worked, I, I got a work license at 13. In Manchester, you could get a license to work so many hours if you were 13 years or over. Ah. So I had a, a work permit to, to work. So I suppose it's to make sure there's no child exploitation and things like that. Do you like know that. what? Is that a current <clears> thing? I don't know. Because I've know. got a 12 year, no, sorry, she's 13 now and I'm desperate to give, get her into <laughs> some sort of employment and everyone keeps telling me she's too young. So yeah. I need to check that out. I'm not sure, but uh, <laughs> certainly in Manchester it was a thing back then. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, sorry, yes. No, so um, I worked in my uh, grandfather's um, shop. He had a scuba diving shop in, um, in Manchester um, and he basically let me run it. And, you know, I've got early memories of... Um, customers coming in there's one particular um instance where a couple came in just wanting some fins mask and snorkel for a holiday in egypt and they walked out spending over two thousand pounds worth of diving gear signed up to a paddy course in the uk so um, well, thanks to you from an early, yeah from an early oh, age i've always been um, a little bit of a salesman yeah so richard branson's book obviously sparked that initial interest in business yeah. so tell us a bit about your your early days working you obviously went to school college uni was it oh. yeah so um went from um, high school went to college um in chorley uh, in lanx and then i went on to hull university um originally i was actually wanting to go to the university of sterling and i missed out on that by one percent on a biology exam um so fate took me um over to hull and i jumped on or i was on the sports rehabilitation course so it's kind of the in-between of um, physio and uh, strength and conditioning. So it's that kind of like building you back up in between the two. 
So hang on a minute. So you had a, that initial interest in business and yeah. you worked in, in the shop and yeah. then you decided to study sports rehab. So yeah. w talk to me about that. What so made it was you? Probably um, year nine at high school, I kind of discovered the sport that I, I liked. I was never, um, never as good at football, rugby, but uh, year nine, basketball, badminton became my sport. So I all of a sudden was um, interested heavily in sport. Um, and when I went to Hull Uni, I was actually on the sports science course at first, and uh, I saw there was a big group of sports scientists in the lecture hall for the first day, and there was a big group of sports coaching students, and then there was this little group up at the top, which was sports rehabilitation. And I just thought, I want to be in that group. Um, I want to be in the smaller class, you know, and, and I was always interested by injury and the body and how it worked. Um, so I went straight down to admissions and asked if I could switch over to rehab, which they thankfully uh, allowed me to do and then yeah commence the course um, at Hull Uni. So I'm interested in how you've gone from sports rehab into house building. Yeah <laughs> so big change. Talk to me big, about big change. that then. So um, I loved sports rehab um, it was um, you know you, you kind of plan out your career and you want to work in professional sport and fortunately I had the opportunity to do that I was with Hull FC for seven seasons um, I had my own sports injury clinic which is probably the business element um, that was body fixed down um, uh, Beverly Road. We were part setting up a Pilates studio. Um, you know, we were taking the business further and further. So you, you graduated from Hull Uni and then yeah. set up your own business? Uh, after about uh, six months or so, yeah. Okay. Whilst I was working at Hull FC. Yeah. Okay. And so you, you're on the payroll at Hull FC doing yeah. physio or sports? Uh, sports rehab. Sports yeah. rehab. And yeah. then you, you left Hull FC and set up your own? No, I did them both alongside okay. each other. So I'd normally start work with the boys at FC probably about uh, seven in the morning, um, work through there till about three. And then I would go to the clinic. Uh, at the time, I didn't drive, so it was buses everywhere. Um, get the bus down to the clinic for about 5 p.m. And I'd work five through till 10 p.m. And then repeat the process the day after. So you were obviously very motivated at a young age. Yeah. So what, why, what, what is it in your DNA that motivates you? Or certainly back in those early days, because that's that's a long day, and there's yeah. a you know the fact you weren't driving, you had to get on buses. Yeah. That's a lot of effort. So, what was driving you? I think uh, deep rooted, it's probably that um, that need and desire to want to find a solution to a problem, um, and that obviously more transpires into what I do now at um, at Beale, but. Um, back then, you know, having patients coming in with a problem that they've been to the hospital and not got the results, they've been to the GP and not got the results, and, and seeing them um, walk out when they probably couldn't walk in, you know, in itself is such a massive achievement. So, and you get a real buzz off that from your clients and the feedback that you get from your clients. And um, doing the same, obviously, in professional sport, it's a different level. And, you know, the, the end goal there is the win. So whatever you've done in the week, if you end up with the win, job done, and then you start again the following week. Um, but it was that constant repetition of being able to provide a service to people that were um, broken to a degree yeah. and were walking out fixed, hopefully. Hence the name, Body Fixed. Yeah, yeah. Okay, <clears throat> so how long did you do that for? So I did that for in line with Hull FC, so up until um, 2016, the start of 2016. Um, but there was a turning point which kind of led me away from um, rehab and into real estate. So intrigued. Go yeah, on. <laughs> so um, my uh, my best friend was actually a patient. So he um, he played at a local rugby club, um, and uh, I treated him. We built up a really good friendship over the years. Um, played sport together, played squash together, and um, he went from working in a restaurant um, not far from here um, to uh, real estate. He started working at Red Row Homes, and 
went to see his new house, which was a red room. And we, uh, we sat down, we were talking about um, salaries and jobs and careers. And we had a child on the way at that point as well. We had my first son, Finley, on the way. And um, he showed me his pay slips. As you do. As you do. Um, <laughs> whether it was bragging or what, I don't know. But um, I was gobsmacked at his age, at the age he was then. And what age are we talking about? Uh, he would have been 19, 20 at that oh, point. Oh, wow. So still young. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And he was pretty much catapulted onto a 40 grand salary um, at 19, 20 years of age, which is incredible, really, as, a, as an industry. So um, it got me thinking. And it got me thinking, you know, I'd, I'd done my degree, obviously, by this point. I was partway through completing my master's um, at uh, Salford Uni. A master's in sports sports rehabilitation, right. yeah, because I wanted to um, progress up. I was then planning to go and do a, a physio master's on top of that. Um, I'd always been quite um, education-based. Yeah, so I, I've still got that itch that I want to scratch. But at that point in time, um, seeing the kind of earning potential um, that my friend was on and also seeing the career prospects that that would open up, you know, sports rehab and the sports industry generally is quite a fickle industry. You only see, you know, until a new manager comes in and the whole back office and back team are out and a new team comes in. I was having interviews at the time with Sheffield Wednesday and um, again... So you've gone from rugby into football? I was looking at football, okay. I was looking at football just to kind of explore options and, yeah. you know, see if there was a pay difference and so on. But um, again, the it was taking so much time back and forth between the owners and the, the management team and it just made me feel is now the right time to step out of sport I've done what I set out to achieve I've worked in a professional setting I've been to Wembley lost unfortunately but we got to Wembley um you know we played at Cardiff we played um uh, we did camps overseas I, I'd kind of ticked all those boxes the next step up would have been Premier League football I think but um it wasn't meant to be and I just felt with having a new son on the on the way um having a mortgage uh looming that a more sensible career was probably the option um and also getting a little bit of time back because like i explained there the working hours working from 10 in the morning till sorry seven in the morning till 10 at night um sometimes six days a week sometimes seven if you've got clients there um is challenging and certainly with the clinic i could have appointments five six seven eight and nine o'clock to take me through till ten um none of them might turn up but you don't know until that happens so i could be sat there waiting until nine o'clock at night and uh earn no money from it so you made the decision <clears throat> to to switch career paths yes so what did you do with your clinic did you sell it no so um when i had my interview at red row homes um the sales director then uh, made it absolutely clear that she wouldn't allow me to have any other in any other business um alongside the work in hindsight i completely understand why um, because, you know, if I had clients to get back to, but I equally had a, a prospect that I was working on in sales, you've then got a conflict. Um, so it was the right decision in the long run, but it, at the time it really hurt because I was still hoping to continue with my clinic because I had a fantastic client base. You know, I used to work with um, a lot of sports teams specifically that would just come to me and you build up such a good rapport with them and, you know, they're coming in all the time telling you that I've got a PB this week, I, I beat my 5K time and you know, this is down to what you've done. Thanks so much. I just started doing some work with um, an amputee as well. And that just blew my mind because it opened up a whole new level of rehabilitation in understanding the mechanics of a body that is limbless to a degree. Um, and I really wanted to kind of pursue that as, a, as an avenue. But overall, I needed to make the decision to 
provide. Okay. Um, so you kind of sacrificed a bit of the job satisfaction from yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. And there's probably a bit of a back reason to that as well. My, uh, my now wife, um, when we were dating, she was working in nutrition and physio assistant at, uh, in Nottingham. And she sacrificed that to come to Hull because I had the prospect of working with Hull FC. So we got ourselves a little rental. She got herself, um, I think she was at three jobs at one point from working in a pub to cleaning the pub on the night. She made that sacrifice for me. So then it felt like the right, right. time for me to now sacrifice and put back into the family. Okay. All right. So by this point, you've got a baby on the way. Mm-hmm. You're a, a, about to buy a house. <laughs> you were very obviously successful in getting the job with Red Row. Yeah. So talk to me a bit about that transition then. You went into the um, house building sphere. Yeah. Selling. But yeah, I started off um, selling. I was paired with a fantastic lady called Karen um, at uh, Grimsby, um, which is, um, you know, a very unique market. It's isolated, a little bit like Hull. It's out out of the way. And um, I sold my first three homes on Grimsby, saw those customers through. And then I was offered uh, a site in Wakefield, which was a bit of a flagship site for Red Row. Um, it had always consistently produced results. It was pretty much a sale a week on there. You know, it was a nice, steady site, and it was right next door to the head office as well. So you always had visitors and director visits and that and coming in. But um, yeah, I sold well on there. And before I even had a chance to finish the site, they then moved me onto my own site from scratch. And when you're in the house building industry, you always want to get to that point where you get a site from the beginning. You don't like taking over somebody else's site. You want your site and you want to put your mark on your site. So it sounds like you were pretty good at this job. Were you progressing quite quickly through the ranks then? I wouldn't have thought at that point I was um, looking to progress, to be honest. I was really happy selling. Um, I, but the fact you were getting responsibility for your own site suggests that you were pretty good at it though. Um, yeah, I think I was doing relatively well. And again, maybe because I had the business background of running my own business. I ran it as a business and had a really good relationship with my site teams. And then um, one of the area managers um, handed his notice in. So naturally, I thought it's a step up. But the, the main motivation for me at the time to move into management wasn't for the position, the title or the pay. Generally speaking, the pay at the management level was less than what you could earn at the sales executive because of the commission but um having a child i think hannah may have been on her way at that point as well this is child number two child number two and we i needed to think about the weekends and how that was going to work because the working pattern was thursday through to monday um and to work every weekend once they got to a point of being at school i thought would be quite challenging and again not fair on my wife to have to look after the children on a weekend by herself and because we're both from out of city, um, we are on our own. We don't have that support of parents. So I made the um, jump or applied for the position of trainee area sales manager. Thankfully got the position, then moved up to area sales manager and then was gifted, was a big flagship development. And that was my first opportunity to really kind of put my stamp on that development and uh, how we wanted it to go. And what kind of manager are you then? If I was to ask one of the <clears> team at- back then what you were like as a manager a new manager yeah so i i have this thing that i tell all my team and it's that i hate the word manager i can't stand it and my i suppose response to that is if i'm having to manage i've recruited the wrong person to me my role is there to um mentor um to guide them through to provide the tools that they need to do their job if you're having to manage that process then they're they're not the right person for the job 
That's a good segue to where you are now. So you're now doing very well at Beale Home. So talk to me about how you went from Red Row to Beale and what appealed to you about that. I was really happy at Red Row until I saw the ad pop up on LinkedIn for Beale Homes. And I knew Beale having lived in the area, although I worked West Yorkshire, obviously I lived in Hull, so I knew the product really well. I knew um, what the, the brand was about because I had it as um, part of my viability study for Swanland. So I, I had to do a little bit of research on them. Um, and had it been any other builder, I honestly probably wouldn't have applied for a, any other position. But seeing an opportunity to come up at Beale, which I know is like gold dust, I just had to apply. And I applied. I applied again. I kept sending emails. I was pestering the HR person. Oh, that's interesting. <clears throat> yeah, I didn't I was know desperate that. To get in. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And it paid off. <laughs> Maybe so, they just annoyed me. <laughs> so the job you originally applied for is that the job you're doing today? Correct. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, and it, the job was a step up from being just a, a, a if you like, an area sales manager on on the field with your team. That the management system at Beale works quite different. So rather than us all looking after a certain number of developments, which is what most new build will do. We each have different responsibilities in the business. So one person looks at driving the sales, one person looks at um, all the progression and legal side of things. And then this opportunity was operational. So it was your sales arena setups, uh, your marketing, your PR, the works. Yeah. So your current role, you you wear many hats, don't you? You've got a lot of responsibility. So Beale's gain, Red Rose loss. So you've been at Beale how long? Uh, Three years this April. I actually started just after the first lockdown. So, uh, yeah, it was interesting times. I didn't know whether I was going to have a job, but again, Beale were absolutely fantastic. You know, they they took us in. We had a new project at the time, which was the website, which we worked with you on. And um, it was something for me to get my teeth straight into. Yeah. And how how is, does it differ then to working at where you were before? The, the big, I think the biggest thing for me and another reason why I really wanted to come to Beale Homes was the range of product that we deliver. And... Beale aren't afraid to take on those challenges that other builders will ignore or not execute as well. And, you know, the fruit market is testament to that. You know, you walk down that street and if you've got the eye for the detail, you notice that there's different window colours, there's different um, door colours, there's um, different brick types and painted brick styles. And uh, yeah, a lot of builders do that, but this really is unique. And even dropping the roof heights to accommodate the view of the um, the Hullminster and integrating that into a... um, retail setting and the way it's been done is just stunning uh, you know and hence we won the um the awards at the Watt House. we won two awards um we were submitted for two awards we only went through on one and then at the actual awards event we ended up winning two it was yeah, that good successful so, yeah it was it was amazing yeah. yeah and winning awards is something Beale does very well there's been quite a yeah. few in well certainly since the, in the time we've been working with you guys. Yeah. So um, Beale's very successful, doing very well. Um, in challenging times, I mean, let's be honest, it's it's not easy out there for any business at the moment, but particularly house builders. And we'll come back to that in a second. But um, up in the news recently and um, attended the, the launch not long ago, the new head office, yeah. which is an iconic building yeah, and showing Beale at its very best. Yeah. So talk to me about that then, the investment that's gone into that head office and what it represents and, and why as a company, have you decided to do that? Yeah, the investment's phenomenal. And um, I suppose to take a step back to that, um, obviously Beale used to be based on Headham Road. And the philosophy is always to be the best. We're not necessarily looking to be the biggest. And we always want to be within an hour's commute of our head office. So 
being at Headham Road, sometimes it could take you an hour just to get to West Hull. So they made the decision um, around the time of the last recession to move to um, Bridgehead Business Park, and they were the first um, commercial building on there. And that opened up a whole new corridor for the business, you know, moving more out towards the west. And obviously we've opened Ghoul since then. As far north as kind of York, we can, we've got the opportunity to go to. And then all the way down to Lincoln. Um, so it's really opened up our patch to be able to um, operate. And that location is that good that we decided to stay. But our USP, which is the design lounge, um, we wanted to offer more. And Richard wanted to offer more to the customers and to give them that elevated experience that is completely unparalleled with any other builder. You know, the, the, the traditional way of buying a new home is, I think, what started in the 70s, which is a garage turned into an office. You know, you, you'll turn up, you'll have a look, you'll pick from a small range of samples, um, fill in a carbon copy sheet, and you're done and off you go. And it's not really changed. And I think that's where we're at now. A few people have tried to do like a, a, a you know, a central office system and it's failed. But what we've delivered now is more of an immersive experience. We've introduced new tech to take you on virtual tours through the developments, even to the point where the detail showcases the correct species of trees that we've specified on our drawings. And that is displayed on this, draw this virtual tour. Um, but the, I suppose, crowning jewel for us is the design lounge. And that's, uh, I think it's quadrupled in size from what we had before. And it's to show our customers the range and breadth of things they can do. You know, I think a lot of people still don't realize they can move walls, they can add double doors in, they can completely change their electrical layout. Um, the, the number of kitchen choices, we're trying to work out actually how many choices you get. And it's, we can't even calculate it at the moment. There's that many different combinations that you can go for. Um, it, it is phenomenal. And, um, you know, the feedback we've had for the very short time we've been open has just been fantastic. You know, customers, business professionals in the area alike, they're just absolutely blown away by um, the setting and the investment that's gone into that. I mean, it's certainly impressive. And I think you people don't realise that the bespoke nature of the, the homes that you guys build. And I think, that, you know, it's, it's there in the strap line designed by you because yeah. literally the home is designed by yeah, you. Right. Um, the shell might be slightly yeah. prescriptive, but certainly what goes inside is yeah. designed by you. And I think that's a, the differentiator, isn't it? And it was all born out of, again, the last recession where at, at the time a lot of builders were stripping the specification back and cheapening materials and trying to cut costs wherever they could. Whereas Beale booked the trend and developed our USP to make us stand out from the crowd. And hence, we're still here today. We're still operating. We've had our best year ever. You know, it's um, it works. People want more choice, and especially in the you know social media world we live, where everything's on Instagram, and everybody wants to buy into a lifestyle and and have that experience. We're delivering that, and we have been for years, but we've we've taken it to a whole new level. You mentioned there that you last year was your best year yet. Now we're early into twenty twenty three, and. You know, it's no secret that it is a hard out there for any business and f for the general public as well with less disposable income. So as a house builder, um, you know, it's a big commitment, a big yeah. investment. How are you guys um, finding it in the market? Um, do you know, if I'm being completely honest, not bad. It could always be better. But um, there's a lot of scaremongering by the media, as there always has been and probably always will be, and it, it will inevitably affect all lines of industry. Um, what a lot of that does is it makes people go scared 
and um, think, oh, we'll wait for some, we'll wait until the times are better. We'll wait till the mortgage interest rates come down. Um, the reality is they're probably where they are now and they're going to be like that for, for a while. Um, but we've, th the reality behind it is we've had cheap money for too long and really that was never going to be, you know, self-sustaining. It probably had to come back up at a point. Um, and equally, I think we've gone through a, per a period with Brexit, the war in Ukraine, um, energy crisis, fuel price increases, strikes. There's always been something to put people off. And I think we're starting to see people are just fed up with listening to the narrative that's out there and actually just wanting to make the decision and do what they want to do for themselves when they want to do it. And Beale is quite proactive in offering support yes. to buy a house. I mean, you've got various schemes, haven't you, that yeah. help house buyers? Absolutely. Yeah, we've got um, pretty much a scheme for anybody, you know, that comes through the door. And, you know, we understand that it's... Um, it's a big investment. It's the biggest investment most people will, will ever do. Um, so there are schemes out there to support and help people make that move when they want to. Um, at the same account, uh, you know, a lot of our competitors, if, if you like, will literally throw everything at you to, to get the deal. But for us, it comes back to what do you really want? Because if you're sat in your house and you've, you've moved, that deal's long forgotten. That extra £2,000 that you might have got is long forgotten. But what you're in now is the house and that's going to be with you for a, a much longer time. So for us, you know, we remind our buyers that pick the right house, pick the right location that works for you. Hopefully it's a Beal. Um, nine times out of ten, it should be a Beal because we build fantastic homes in, the fant in great locations. Um, but um, yeah, we do have that support should people need it. Yeah. And I suppose sign of the times but people will also be considering maybe selling if they've got a larger house and considering selling a smaller house so there's still yeah. a market for people who maybe want to change the size of their home um yeah absolutely the, the, we've probably seen a bit more of that recently the downsizer market has definitely opened up um whereas the first time buyer market has gone a little bit quiet and, and again there's been a bit of a perfect storm where help to buy came to an end last year um, and we're waiting for kind of new schemes to be fully opened up to allow that market to um, to, to get back involved. Okay, so we'll come back to you in a second, as <clears throat> Jamie, and what your plans are for the future. But in terms of Beale, mm -hmm. what what are the long term plans for Beale? Anything you can share with us that's not commercially sensitive? Um, I, I think from what I've said so far, you know, it's clear that we're a, a pioneering forward thinking business. Um, we don't let okay be good enough and we're constantly striving to try and make sure that both the product and the experience and the service that we deliver is second to none and above our competition and i think if you get those things right the business can take care of itself um there's a a, a book that I, I read by simon sinek which is start with why and i think if you keep that at the heart of what you do you know always go back to why are we doing this well it's not just to um you know tick boxes or you know um get units in there's a customer at the end of that and we we keep that f at the forefront of our minds because our business survives off the back of it we're building homes and we're building a lifestyle and we're building communities um okay so feels going great mm -hmm. you're obviously doing well in your jobs congratulations on that Thank and you. finally getting into Beale and making yeah. a success of it and yeah. i know you're knowing richard and sue um you're very highly thought of so well done um so what are your plans, your personal dreams? You you left university, sports rehab, your own business. Yeah. Now you're building homes. Yeah. Um, 
as I said earlier, I've, I've still got that itch that I want to scratch um, in possibly doing some further education, um, but real estate based. Um, it's not a necessity and I know I don't need it to move forward with my career. You know, I could quite happily knock education on the head, but I gain so much out of learning. Hence why I read quite a lot any spare minute um, if I'm not with my family. You know, if it's half an hour before bed, I'll be reading. Um, the current book is Leaders Eat Last, again, by Simon Sinek. It's the follow-on to... Oh, I don't know that one. Yeah, really good book. Oh, okay. Three I'll chapters in at the minute. But check that one uh, out. It's really good. Yeah, it's just moving forwards. I suppose my future at Beale, um, naturally there's, you know, progression that you always want to think about and potentially moving on to the, the next position, whatever that might be, whether it's sales or operations, you know. Um, but ultimately... You know, I feel that decision should more be down to the board and the management. And I, as long as I'm contributing and contributing in the right way, um, again, I think that takes care of itself. So not wishing to know the details of your bedtime routine. You mentioned they're reading a book before bed, but let's talk about your home life. So yeah. married, yep. two young children. How old are the yep. children now? Uh, Hannah is just turned six and Finley is about to turn eight. Wow. Yeah. Handful. I remember those yeah. days. And you work obviously long hours. Yeah in a sales role yeah so talk to me about how you juggle everything then because i know working full-time with a family it's hard yeah is uh mrs barrington still as supportive as she was back in those early days she is, and, and, and equally she works silly hours herself you know and um I, I think when you if i was to be a fly in the wall and look i'd go how the hell how the heck do we do it you know um we don't have any family support up here so we, we do everything ourselves so where are your family back in lancashire and nottinghamshire yeah 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 um and my wife she works um full-time in the nhs um she manages to get it in four days but inevitably she always works the fifth day at home she's home working which is great off the back of covid that's um, that stayed and that does make a bit of a difference that makes it a bit easier but um we try and give our children quality time we feel they deserve so they're, they're involved in football rugby dance um cricket in the summer um and we've you know we've got a nice core group of friends where we've recently moved to so we we moved um into uh, the sticks yeah is it true that you're in not in a beal home i hasten to add you're in a converted barn or something yeah that's right so um i was looking at a beal home actually um at the pilgrims walk development in hesel but um i went to view a four bed in um, kirkella a second-hand property and it was the top of my budget and it just needed so much work doing to it and i thought you know what i'm gonna throw the net out and just look everywhere you know where, where, where as far north as kind of driftfield as far east as howden sorry, Westers Howard and all the way to the East Coast and then down towards Brig. And we came across this um, this converted barn. And um, at first it was no, too far away. Can't go all the way out there. It's it's ridiculous and don't want to be commuting into work like I was when I worked in Leeds and Wakefield. And then again, there was that little scratch. Sorry, there was that little itch that I wanted to scratch. And I thought, really intrigued by the interiors of this. You know, I said, come on, let's go and do a viewing just in case. And um, we eventually got a view in. We walked in stepped literally stepped foot into the hallway looked at each other and said this is it you know done. Oh, to see the rest of the house. yeah yeah and um yeah it's uh yeah it's, it's obviously semi-rural and i think a bit of that was born out of covid and just that feeling of wanting to have a bit of space around you um and again the beale home offered that because of its location and the green space on the development and it was a bit of a bit of a um 
struggle to make the decision. But in the end, yeah, we felt that that was the right thing for us at that time. And am I right in thinking you've got chickens and other? <clears throat> not yet. Oh, you're getting chickens. Not yet, but well, I'm, I'm trying to convince Mrs. Barrington. Um, but uh, no, I really want chickens or runner ducks. So Finley, Finley's uh, friends at school have all... Um, we've kind of become friends with the, uh, the parents of Finley's friends. So we've kind of become like a nice little group. And um, we were just having a barbecue one day and we were just talking and it, I kind of clocked as we were going around that everybody had chickens apart from us. And I thought, well, I can't put the odd one out. I've got to get some chickens. So I'm, I'm planning it into the garden, uh, the garden scheme. Is this and... just so you've got them as a pet or are you actually going to have eggs? Oh, the eggs. Whole... oh okay. Yeah, the whole yeah. I've, I've done the research. You know, the average chicken will give, I think, something like 260 eggs a year. Um, so, yeah, a little flock of maybe three or four or some runner ducks, Indian runner ducks, which are just the, the best thing to, to look at. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't, you never know it looking at you that you've got these <laughs> these secret desires to have chickens and ducks. Okay, so um, so you sound very settled mm, with yeah, it in, very much in, so. in the converted barn. It's east east of yeah, the city, it's east isn't it? And to yeah. be honest, that was partly probably down to Beale. Um, in that I felt so comfortable at Beale, not comfortable as in you know um, easy. But comfortable in, I know this is the place where I want to work for ideally the rest of my career. Um, so moving out east is obviously always challenging if you're looking for a position that's back west, especially coming through Hull to then go out to the likes of Leeds. And there's not many regional offices for builders in and around our region. So um, it would be a move to the likes of Leeds, Wakefield, Doncaster, should I move to a, a different builder. But I don't want to. I, you know, I'm, I'm very, very, um, very happy where I'm at. and. Um, you know that was enough for me to think, yeah, this move's the right move, um, and I can, I can. No pun intended, down. right move. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good that you settled. It's good for Beale and it's good for Pace as well because we love working with you. So I just want to check then before we finish. You know, all those years ago when you set up your own clinic, any regrets from going away from the entrepreneurial businessman to corporate? Um, I think everything in life happens for a reason. I know it's a bit of a cliche statement, but um, you know, my work ethic hasn't changed. And in the space of time that I've been in real estate, I've gone from a sales exec to a trainee sales manager to a sales manager um, to a sales operations manager. So, you know, like hopefully it shows that I'm still willing to develop. You know, I'm not happy just to do a role and stick with it. I'm constantly looking to improve um, and hopefully long may that continue. Yeah. Yeah, clearly still motivated. Oh, 100%. So, yeah, yeah. That comes across. To the frustration of others sometimes. But um, yeah, I think you <laughs> Yeah, need to you be. certainly keep us on our toes. <laughs> All right. So, closing um, question. So, as yep. I said last month, we've um, blatantly copied Steve Bartlett's diary of a CEO, yep. and we're asking our guests a question. But the question. I'm a fan, by the way, Stephen, if you're watching. <laughs> <laughs> the, as am I. <laughs> um, so, the question has been posed by our previous guest, um, and. Obviously, you've not you don't know what the question is, yep. and I'm reading the question now for the first time. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> the question is: What are your secrets to managing your workload, your work life balance, and keeping an eye on the big picture? Mm. Um, so I think in terms of keeping an eye on the big picture, uh, I've got a very, very supportive wife. Um, she is an absolute diamond, and I know everyone will say that about their wife, but you speak to anyone who knows my wife, and they. They get it. Having met her, I think she's lovely. Oh, she's she's just fantastic. <laughs> oh, of course, yeah. She's no, she's absolutely fantastic. What did I say? I think you're punching above your weight. Absolutely, I am. <laughs> uh, I am. And again, that'll probably remain, and that will continue. Um, but uh, no, you know, I've got a really good support network, and 
Um, I think it's just about surrounding yourselves with the right people and people with the right attitude. And, you know, we've got a really good relationship with you guys at Pace. That makes my life easier. That means I can manage things a bit better. Um, and it's the same for all, you know, facets of the business. Good. Let's leave it there on that positive note. Thanks again for coming in and joining us this month. And um, we look forward to continuing to help build the Beal brand. Thank you. Nice to see you. Bye. So that's it for this month. Thanks for tuning in. As always, if you've got any comments or any questions or any suggestions of people that you'd like to hear on this Pacecast, please do get in touch via our normal channels. And until next month, it's bye-bye from me. This Pacecast was recorded and produced by Engine 7 Audio, award-winning audio production.